I'm very excited about today's call, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux, our queen of coaching, with our product of the week. Jesse, tell us about the new product that you've discovered. Stephen, I can honestly say I have never been more excited for a feature on our site, and that's saying something since, you know, I am so partial to the VIP membership component, but this is so much fun. This is the pageant predictions feature on thepageantplanet.com, and it is so easy to get to. Um, You find predictions on our site, you scroll down, um, and you can actually have the final say with your predictions for the winner, the first and second runner up. And the best part of it is there's a leaderboard so you can challenge your friends and your family and see how you stack up against other members of the pageant community. It is like my favorite thing to do. So, okay, so you, you click the, the pageant predictions and then yeah. where, where does that lead you? Does that lead you so, to some sort of calendar? Where does that lead you? Sure. So there's two options once you scroll over that predictions arrow. The first is pageant predictions and the second is leaderboard. That's that scoring component that I I just talked about where you can see where you stack up against people from all over the world and their predictions. So if you click pageant predictions, it takes you to a portal where you can see all of the pageants that are available to predict right now. So for instance, we have everything from Mrs. Canada Globe to Galaxy England to IJM Arizona. I mean, we're talking international pageant level from every single scope all sorts of systems it is so much fun to see different headshots and see the styles of pageantry all across the world and kind of get your pick in there too so um bragging rights are on the line here okay and then so you just select like winner and then first runner-up and then second runner-up and yeah it's Super easy. So all the headshots are shown right there on the site and you just have to click which ones you pick in which order. Okay. And so I'm looking at the leaderboard and I'm not breaking any records. Um, I guessed one person right. I'm currently, my success rate is at a 4%. That's not the best. (laughs) So, um, it, this, I mean, it's a lot of really great information here. And then, so total predictions, what's total predictions and, and all that fun stuff. And, and points one, I mean, how, walk us through that. Sure. So you can predict as many pageants that are available. So total predictions indicates how many predictions you've actually gone through and clicked and predicted. I won't say guessed because we are some semblance of experts in our own right with our opinions, right? And then the points one is based on the amount of winners and runner-ups you get correctly. Um, so for instance, um, the person in first place right now has um, very a much lower number of total predictions than the person in second place, but her predictions could be yet to come. So you could start really strong and then fizzle out, but you have to stay on top of it. Um, and it is so much fun. And you can kind of pick and choose what you actually do weigh in on yeah it's it's addicting it's addicting well that's a great one that's fun so um thank you and uh until next time (laughs) yes happy predicting welcome to the pageant planet podcast where we help you succeed in pageantry now here's your host Stephen roddy Hey everyone, welcome to the call. Today, Jesse Ledoux and myself, we are going to talk about the Miss America 2018 pageant that actually just happened a few moments ago because we're obviously, we're not recording this live. It still needs to be edited. But um, so Jesse, kind of just kick us off and with your initial thoughts and we'll just do our spitball strategy as we traditionally do. (laughs) 
Yeah, what a surprise that'll be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do the live tweeting during the Miss America, Miss USA pageants, et cetera. So I always get a little bit of like a post-pageant hangover. So I take a few minutes and just read through my tweets and reevaluate my notes. And then I'll probably rewatch the entire pageant tomorrow, like free of distraction. But I did take some special notes. The one thing I really noticed, I don't know if you noticed it, Stephen, as well. It was such a fast pageant. I mean, I could barely even have a moment to like collect my thoughts between each category. And I thought the commercial breaks even were like micro mini. And so they really were able to squeeze in a ton of content in a short amount of time. And I think they kind of took the negative notes that we got from the Miss USA pageant um, about having it three years. Was it, was it three hours or was it four hours? I mean, there was, it was such a long pageant. There was so much happening. So this was like spitball style. Yeah, and it was. It was very much rapid fire, and I think it's one of the things that worked. And the other thing that I like what they did that really worked, if we're talking about it as a holistic, is I like the fact how they really owned the fact that they were a scholarship pageant, and they told, mm -hmm. hey, here's how much money this girl made, and then here's how much money they're going to make by getting first runner-up, second runner-up, or winning, etc. It really puts the pageant in perspective and gets girls thinking, Hey, I need to earn some scholarship money. This is pretty amazing that, you know, I could earn scholarship money and do this. Um, so I really like that component. I liked how they tried to really, I mean, whoever the um, hair 180 people are, or 10 hair, I think it is. Um, I liked how they tried to incorporate them through every phase. They must have been mm -hmm. a pretty heavy hitting sponsor because they plugged them a lot. Um, and that but kind of, it says a lot, though, Stephen, that you don't remember the brand name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you you never heard of, like I've never heard of them before, so you know that's kind of it's, you know, it's the first time you're hearing of it, and you're like, wait, who? Like, because we're used to to Chi, etc. Um, and I don't know, does Chi normally just do USA? Yeah, they just do USA, and I think that that partnership started because of the relationship with Donald Trump. Mm. Um, so I think that's why they have that connection. I, I noticed a huge lapse of sponsors this year for Miss America. I don't know if it was strategic or not, but like they didn't have a swimwear sponsor. They didn't have Joseph Ribkoff. All the girls got to wear their own outfits for the introduction videos and then on stage, which is the first time I can remember that happening in probably a decade. So that's a big deal. And the fact that It's a 10 was really the only commercial sponsor, I think it allowed Miss America to focus on what you just said, that the, the foundation of what the pageant's all about, because it's really the, the well, what is the, the tagline they use? It's the largest scholarship provider for women in the, in the country, which is true. And then the second piece of that is, um, is that they were able to just like embrace the talent aspect too, because it's one of the only pageants that focuses on that. So I, I enjoyed the lack of sponsorship. I just am curious as to what that means for the program in the long haul. Well, I mean, I can say it from, because I was behind the scenes with that. I mean, I used to consult for Tony Bowles and I worked, I mean, that's why they brought me in is when they created the Miss America partnership where he dressed all 52 contestants. And so I saw what Miss America provided him uh, from a sponsorship perspective perspective and honestly like value to dollar i mean they lost a crap load of money um by investing in miss america and i saw the ripple effect and it didn't really translate to sales at all mm. um, i think they brought on maybe one new store because of it and there were some internal things and um things that you know i feel like they um 
Tony could have done better to maybe monetize it, you know, no disrespect. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there, et cetera, but, um, it could be that. And it could be the fact that, um, what yours and I sources both have told us that, you know, attendance was way down at the pageant too. So maybe mm-hmm. people, and then with the shift of the new CEO, which is a younger guy, the, um, 29 year old, his name is eluding me right now, but maybe they're like, well, we're just going to sit this one out. And I honestly, mm. I honestly didn't even think Sherry Hill sponsored it this year. I thought she totally backed out until I saw her little logo pop up there, like right at the very end. Because all the girls were in white Sherry Hill gowns for crowning. Yeah. So it was just yeah. like, oh, Sherry. And then boom, and it was done. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much she paid for that spot. But I mean, it was just a little like shout out. I mean, it's like, is it worth it? I don't know. Um, I thought, though, as a whole, though, Dick Clark Productions has done a tremendous amount to push the Miss America brand forward. I really like the panel of judges. A lot of great names, a lot of great industry represented. I think we've seen Miss America publicly a lot more in the past few years since that partnership has really come to fruition. So to your point, I'm really curious to see if a younger um, kind of face of the organization, I guess, with the exception of Miss America being the face of the organization to see what kind of direction that takes. Yeah. I mean, personal perspective, personal opinion is that Miss America puts on an amazing production and they do an awesome job at making their girl look celebrity and fabulous <laughs> and all those things. But then after the, the televised event, you just kind of see her pop up and she's like, Hey, I'm at the CMAs or Hey, I'm at this event. Uh, whereas I mean, if I'm going to compare them to USA and I know they have different contexts and different, um, just, you know, brands, et cetera, but USA really celebrates the girl all the way through and makes them have that celebrity feel all the way through. And, you know, maybe that's just their corporate push, like where they just want to focus more on, uh, service, um, scholastic, and maybe they're not really making it important, but I feel like when you make your girls to be that celebrity component in the pageants that we're seeing increase in numbers year after year, their girls, they make their girls look like those celebrities all the way through the year. Mm. And it makes the girls like, Oh my gosh, I want to compete in this pageant. Like I want to be that celebrity. I want to be around all those awesome people wearing those great clothes, etc. So personal opinion. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a difference between the two systems. I mean, let's be totally clear about it. And I think with IMG taking over Miss USA, there's a lot more crossover with the story component with interviews being a focus now. But I mean, when you look at the two different systems, what is, what's the key phrase you always hear? Miss America is the girl next door. Miss USA is the girl you wish lived next door. <laughs> yeah. um, and when we have clients for the different systems, cause we have clients in both systems. Um, and if you're Miss America, we don't tell anybody. So that's our little shameless plug. Like we keep it to ourselves. Cause there's a little fancy clause. Um, but for our Miss USA girls, like, textbook they they want to be models they they like to be performers and on stage and miss miss america it's more of a a deeper story and there's usually a cause behind wanting to be involved whether it's scholarship whether it's platform etc so it's just difference foundationally from the top down yeah and i mean the again you it's hard to be dogmatic on any one subject right i mean because it's just hard to put people in those boxes but if we are talking blanket statements the miss america girls they typically they want to go out and have some sort of professional career in broadcast journalism, doctors, lawyers, things like that. That There's a lot of school tuition, so they're looking for some scholastics there mm-hmm. or some scholarship money to help, to help push them through. Um, yeah, but overall, I, I, liked, I liked how they, they did some of the risks, and we'll get more into that a little bit later. 
But um, even the fact where I thought it was totally awkward, but where they had the hairstyle tin company or whatever, they almost had her read it. Um, and she was, she was nervous, which I mean, who wouldn't be, I mean, there's a lot of people watching her, but, um, so that came across a little bit awkward, but I love the fact that they are taking some risks and they're just trying to change things up a little bit. So, I mean, I can't knock somebody for trying something and maybe it just doesn't convert. Maybe it converted awesome for the company and that's great. I thought they did a great job cover. So I, of course, like I'm glued to my Twitter during like live pageants. So I noticed that Every single phase of competition, every single person, every single cut, Miss America was like on the ball with tweeting the most up-to-date results, GIFs of each contestant and talent. I mean, they did an excellent job covering social media-wise. So yeah. if if you're listening to this podcast, comment comment on um, the podcast on our, our Facebook link and let us know like what you thought about the social media coverage because I'm curious to hear if that drummed up some good interest. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, gosh, that's where it is nowadays. If you're not like right up on the ball with that. Um, you're falling behind. So, um, okay. Can we transition maybe just to the top 15 and just yeah, so about the good stuff? Everyone's yeah. waiting to hear, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, heard some States that aren't traditionally called obviously with, I mean, even our new Miss America, but, um, Alaska, I was like, Whoa, because we don't see inside the interview rooms. You know, we just see headshots and kind of follow them on social media. So when you hear these different States, it's like, Whoa, okay. Like Alaska's called, but California isn't, you know, and California is such a big state and highly competitive. And you just think, Oh, okay. Like they're in, I thought Georgia was, I mean, I was really rooting for Georgia. I think she looked amazing. I think she she really stood out and was was striking. But like, do you feel like that almost works against girls? That's the uh, that's kind of the the um, the quiet secret. Like, oh my gosh, you are way too exotic to be in Miss America. You should be in Miss USA. Oh, you know that's a great question, and I I don't think so. I was shocked to see her omission after evening gown because I think she had. She and Missouri, I think, had the gowns of the pageant. Missouri had that really sexy, fitted, beaded black gown. Yep. And then Georgia had the white V-neck with the open sleeve. It was just, oh my gosh, positively stunning. So a combination of the two. But what we don't remember, always remember, is your composite score gets rolled into finals night. So for those of you not familiar with the composite scoring, the way it works is after prelims, uh, the judges get a list of the top 15 or so, and then they give them a score based on how they think they, are they ready for the job of Miss America? And that score gets rolled into the finals night. So if you see a girl that you think it's like totally 15 of 15, 15 out of 15 um, in swimsuit, and she makes it to the next round, oftentimes people don't remember that the composite score weighs into it. So I'm speculating here, but perhaps there was a disconnect between her and the prelim judges. I thought she was absolutely stunning and she certainly made a case to be a prelim swimsuit winner, but she did not win swimsuit. So perhaps, you know, it was just that disconnect and you know, that composite score can really bury you in the long run. If you don't have that really great uh, rapport built with the prelim judges. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point that a lot of people don't know is that the prelim judges are different than the celebrity judges you see mm -hmm. in the final night. So the celebrities aren't there all week hanging out with the girls. A lot of celebrities are busy so they just call them in for the televised event um so that is something to i mean you can win over the prelim judges and then just mm -hmm. not connect at all with the celebrity judges or you know it's kind of sad but you could have rubbed the prelim judges pretty much the wrong way 
But as we say, different panel, different day. If you're celebrity judges, if you had them all to yourselves, maybe you could have won them over and we definitely would have seen a different Miss America. Not anything against, maybe we would have saw the same one, you know, but, um, but nothing against North Dakota. It's just different whole new set of judges. It's a high probability that they would have chosen a different girl. Oh, that's the name of the game in pageants. I mean, it could be your dream panel. It could be your nightmare panel. Like, for instance, Missouri, um, she was like, to me, Nina Davalori 2.0. She was a Bollywood dancer. Her platform was diversity and inclusion, two things that Nina was very outspoken about during her year as competing for Miss America. So think about that. I mean, that could work for you and it could work against you having someone that you are in many ways taking inspiration from it worked for her in this case um i do think though steven don't the the highest and lowest scores get dropped for miss america as well though you know i'm not confident enough to say one way or the other because i I feel like there's been yeah i feel like their scores were updated a few years ago and Mm -hmm. i'm not confident to say just one way or the other how's that's how that's rolling right now no exactly and so for that case like that could have been a deal breaker for missouri but it also could have been a really great thing because if Nina were able to relate to her, obviously given her history or if Nina's a trained Bollywood dancer and she was able to see some of those elements in Missouri, it worked for her. So it's just like, you, you never know. And I loved, I don't know if you loved this, Steven, I loved all the glimpses at the judges faces, but I was like, well, maybe they're loving this. Maybe it's just like, maybe they're super into it or maybe that's a wow, like, Oh, face. I just, <laughs> I loved the glimpses. I thought they were hysterical. I thought they were so animated. But I was like, oh, they're loving this. And I thought again, like, maybe they're not loving this. And I just, it was so funny to watch. And I tweeted about, like, Michaela Maroney, the the U.S. gymnast that had the not impressed face when she won the silver medal. She judged a few years ago. And all I could think about was Michaela Maroney watching Jordan Sparks' face. But she definitely <laughs> was wearing her emotions on her sleeve. Right. No, totally. I mean, typical, like, I mean, from a stereotype, typical entertainer. My wife is very much like this. If she does not like something in public, I'm like, babe, fix your face. Fix your face. <laughs> like, you, you put on your poker. She has zero poker face. And I mean, if she's mad at me in public or doesn't like something, she just like wears it. And it's like, babe, fix it. You know, and she's like, oh, God, okay, sorry. <laughs> and snaps but out I, of it. I wonder if they told the judges to be more animated this year because I can't remember a time in recent years where judges showed so much emotion because typically they're told to be stone cold. Like if you like something, if you don't like something, you should have the same facial expression. You're not supposed to give anything away, but because there were so many cuts of the camera, I feel like they were probably told like, Hey, like let's see what you got. Like, Show us what you're feeling. I, yeah. I feel like that was probably a directive. You're an entertainer. Entertain us some. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, and maybe that's the change of, um, you know, in the CEO. And he's trying to make it younger and fresher and just make it more relevant. That's something he said in a few interviews. I want to make Miss America more relevant. Of course, everybody says that, but they're usually saying it from the standpoint of they're you know, 60 years old. <laughs> they're yes. In touch with technology and the relevancy. Um, but so maybe that is something that, that he brought to the table. And something else just to kind of mention, like since we are just talking about the judges, I have a theory, though. I mean, it's again, it's going to vary based on panel of judges, but I feel like just the psychology of people you have a tendency to sympathize with whatever it is that you're going through. For example, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've went through a lot of failures like early on in my, my business career. So when I hear a girl's story and she talks about 
just her failures and overcoming, I feel like more of a connection point with her because of that. And like Jordan Sparks is thicker and even Nina Davalori like isn't organically like a size zero. Right. So like, I wonder if in my hypothesis is like thicker judges, you know, the ones that aren't necessarily a size zero, they, they kind of root for the girls that are not necessarily the size zero. They're like, gosh, I relate more with you because of X, Y, Z. So again, just a theory, but yeah, I can see it. And you know, on the flip side, you had Molly Sims, who was one of the biggest supermodels in the world at one point. Mm -hmm. So you have the, you have the range. So I think I really did like the panel. I thought it was really well established and I thought it was very, um, diverse from an interest and background standpoint. So let's talk about swimsuit bodies and swimsuits itself. Um, New Mexico with her neon gown. That's a, gosh, that's kind of a, it's a bold, like you don't traditionally see that color on stage, let alone the Miss America stage. Mm-hmm. For her swimsuit, you mean, Steven? Yeah. Her, um, New Mexico's, she had like a neon green swimsuit. Yeah. And so, um, I thought it popped on stage. I, I love when contestants wear colors for swimsuit. I think it's way more fun. Um, you know, I, I tweeted about, I think it was DC who wore a velvet swimsuit. Or no, it wasn't velvet. It was a shiny swimsuit. And like, I'm not typically a fan of the LeMay look, but I got mixed reviews on Twitter about it. I think someone said it's big in the South. So I thought that was unique. And again, there was no swimsuit sponsor. So these girls could go and get whatever the heck they wanted to get. I did, however, love Pennsylvania's one piece swimsuit and loved it. So modern swimsuits are one pieces are super in this year. Are they not? I think I've seen them everywhere. Love the high cut of the leg. I thought it was really flattering. It created a nice angle for the waist. And I've said it before on our podcast. I think it's harder to look good in a one piece, um, in my opinion. And I thought she looked fantastic. And I think that's one of the reasons that she moved on as far as she did. She showed that she had an edge to her. Um, that was really not expect. Like when you looked at her, she looked really wholesome, um, and then she walked out in this like sexy one piece with these cutouts on the side and it like blew me away. So like, it takes it, it like, it's a good thing to take a risk. And I know we saw in prelims, we had a contestant that wore something reminiscent of what we saw in Miss USA, like a zip up rash guard type bikini top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're seeing a shift to like, and obviously they're still going to be in heels. I don't think we're ever going to say swimsuit pageant that they're not wearing heels, but I think we're seeing more of a normalization of, okay, what are you really wearing to the beach? Right. And to your point about Pennsylvania's one piece, like for me, one piece swimsuits can look even more sexy than a two piece Mm -hmm. because it's like, Whoa, I mean, just because of the cuts and the fabric and, and like what you said, it, it can be harder to pull that off, um, than, than a two piece. Now regarding swimsuit, I feel like Again, like I was rooting for her and like Georgia. I thought she had like the best body. Oh, yeah. Um, Georgia was smoking fire yeah. all the way. And I was just like, I really thought like Renata and I were sitting on the couch. We're like, wait, what? Like, she didn't. <laughs> because we thought, and then we, like what you said to her evening gown was like, you know, in fuego. Yeah. But, um, you have anything else you want to say about evening gown or, or I'm sorry, swimsuit or do you want to transition to evening gown? Yes, I do have something I want to say about swimsuit. And okay. I saw a lot of girls fall out of turns tonight. Did you notice that? I did not. Like so when you're saying fall out of turns, like when they're spinning? 
Yeah. So okay. they're walking. The walking pattern was they came right out of the middle, did what I call a hey, how are you turn? Because it's like you're walking through the mall and someone says, oh, hey, Jesse, and you're going, hey, how are you? And you just keep walking. Like that's what I call that turn when I work with clients. And I just like a lot of, I know it's obviously you're on a Miss America stage and you're nervous, but I saw a lot of girls try to do that turn and then I have to sidestep out or do a little stumble. Mm. And it goes back, I think, to the shoes. And I, I think every girl had tippy tops on. And I just want to shout from the rafters, if you cannot walk in tippy tops, don't do it just because you feel like you have to. And like, play around with shoes, try different things. It doesn't have to be a six inch platform to look great because you're only in a lineup for like a fraction of a second. Do not sacrifice points on your walk if it's the matter of like you just being nervous about standing in a lineup because it's just, I saw a lot of baby giraffe happening. <laughs> it makes me the sad. Visual, they yeah. look so per- like there were a couple girls like I, like you could see their legs shaking in the close up because they pan in from the bottom up and you can yeah. see legs shaking. I can remember my legs would shake during swimsuit, I get nervous, whatever, a lot of adrenaline, but just either wear like practice for a hundred hours in your tippy tops or wear other shoes because it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, shameless plug here. We sell the tippy tops on the Passion Planet shop, but also we have other um, shoes that are like the tippy tops as far as like uh, creation, but they're just slightly lower. And mm-hmm. judges aren't going to be like, wait, you didn't wear that uh, five and a half inch, you know, heel, so you're going to get docked two points. They don't care. They just want to see how you present. And if spinning, and this is one of my pet peeves. If you can't spin in heels and you're not forced to do it for choreography, just walk straight. Like yeah. Judges aren't going to be like, oh, you didn't spin, minus one. Just walk mm-hmm. the runway. I mean, they were judging you on your body and your walk. And if your spin is bad, don't spin. That's okay. Don't spin. Like, Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I think the last thing to mention, too, is like my new favorite thing to say is do less. Cause there are some girls that come out and they are so harsh in their movement and they're strong and they're confident, but it's also can be polarizing. And I always say like, if it takes a judge too long to figure out whether they like it or they don't like it, it's probably not a great choice because that's going to reflect in their score. They're not going to be sure how they feel about you. So you're not going to get a great score. So like, just be natural, be yourself, be authentic. And like that over the top stuff, like it may feel like you have a ton of energy and it might feel like you're radiating confidence, but it can have a polarizing effect. So just be cautious, show it to a lot of different people, see what they say. If you're kind of on the fence. Yeah. And, oh, and I, I will say this, like for the girls that walked across stage, it was a stronger swimsuit bodies than what we've seen in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So I was like, nice. Okay, good. Like, good. Girls are working out with trainers or watching more what they eat. And you could tell it showed up more on stage. So that, mm-hmm. that was, that was good. Okay. Evening. Yes. Even evening gown. I thought, um, another great showing though. I really didn't hate any of the gowns. Did you? No, no, I didn't. Um, there was, gosh, who was it? I made notes cause when we go back and we talk about it, I, I forget like the visual. So I had, to, I had to make notes. There was, there was one that was like, yeah, but <laughs> just like, it's okay. Oh, um, uh, I think, well, it was Louisiana's like her yellow gown. Mm. It was like, when I saw it on stage, I was like, eh, it's okay. But when I saw a photo of it, I was like, oh, I like it. But when I saw it yeah. on stage and the camera and the lights were like, eh, just looks like a normal, normal. Dress. It did. It did. It looked really for, I was surprised too, because her, her intro outfit was really cute. It was like blue, green and white stripes. She was super fresh all night. And it was just a very, 
Okay, I've seen that before gown, especially when you saw DC come out in a yellow gown with the really unique neckline and a really commanding silhouette. Yeah. It just paled in comparison, I thought. And I don't know if you if you thought this too, but I, I thought in my brief moment, and again, I'll watch it at length tomorrow and take my time, I thought I saw some fit issues as well on the bodice. Yeah, and notice that it was almost like, I don't know if in their zeal, I mean, zippers were popping or... Um, maybe because you know how it gets stress eating girls start to really or even your body starts to dial in those extra few inches. Like when you get to the competition, because if you've mm -hmm. been clean eating, then you have something called the peak. Um, and then so you, girls, you ideally want to peak on stage, but if your gown fits you perfectly and then you lose three more pounds and water weight or whatever, then yeah, you're, you're going to have some, some fit issues. So that's, I don't want to say that's normal, but it's it's not normal to see on a national stage like this. I mean, mm -hmm. it's normal more on like a state level or um, smaller pageants. Um, I liked, I thought, who was right after Louisiana? It was um, Tennessee, the blue, the liquid beating. Oh, yeah. I liked that too. You know, I I am ready to see capes. Take a take a step back for a yeah. while, but yeah. I will say like I can I so have you been to Boardwalk Hall, Stephen? Have you seen Miss America in person? Yeah, yeah. I imagine like how that gown probably showed to the back row. I bet it just projected so beautifully on stage. It was just a little it read old school to me. Like Tennessee in general always comes very classically prepared, um, so I'm not surprised. I loved the multicolor beading at the top. I thought it really drew the eye upwards towards her face. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a great gown, classic pageantry. Yeah, I liked. Um, of course, you already mentioned uh, Missouri. Her black mm -hmm. gown that was like sections yes. of it were see through. Love that. Um, we the one that we just met, Georgia. I felt like that was my personal favorite of the night. Um, but holistically, I, we saw a lot of white gowns. We did. We always do. And that's what makes me so annoyed. Like everyone says winners, winners wear white, but like if 60% of the contestants wear white, we have pretty good chance. And I think it was probably higher than 60% overall from the entire pageant, which is why color just like wear color. It yeah. makes such a difference. It just shines. It like just helps you stand out. But so fun fact, Georgia wore that gown for her state pageant as well. And I think New Jersey's gown, the, the pale blue, low cut, simple mm -hmm. gown was her state gown as well, which just goes to show you don't need to get a whole new wardrobe for the next level of pageantry if your wardrobe works. I mean, Georgia's gown, I remember seeing it when she won her state pageant and just like praying that she kept it. And I'm so glad to see that she did. So just trust your instinct. If you know your gown is the right gown for you, stick with it. Don't feel like you have to cave or have something else that's going to surprise them because I can guarantee you those celebrity judges have no idea what you wore at your state pageant. No, and honestly, like, just because you have a dress sponsor doesn't mean that you have to use it. I mean, maybe you can mm -hmm. use it for some other thing like um, fun fashion if, you're, if your pageant has fun fashion or um, maybe you can even transition and use it the evening gown depending on the, the situation mm -hmm. there. Um, Another, another thing, I like South Carolina with her short hair. She was cute in her, um, the black and gold dress. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was, uh, when she came out, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my second favorite. And I just, I really, really enjoyed it. 
So I, I love Susie. I competed with Susie. Well, I didn't compete with Susie. I crowned Susie Miss South Carolina International because they did not have a previous pageant. So I came as Miss International. I got to crown Susie. And she's a wonderful person. So, of course, I was cheering for her. But I thought something was weird. And I don't know if you noticed this, too, but they do, like, the little glimpse of each girl talking about their personal style. And then they show them in their gown. And I thought Susie's package said that she wanted to do something different and wear chocolate brown. But maybe my eyes are tricking me. But I really thought her gown was black. Wasn't um, it black? Yeah, that's the I, yeah, black and gold. So, so that was like it's been. On, it's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to I'm going to lose sleep over it tonight until I can get a hold of her mother <laughs> tomorrow and say what color was Susie's dress because I'm driving myself crazy about yeah, it. Yeah, and I noticed piece. too they had. I think Texas did a whole spiel in her package about the best gown she ever saw on the red carpet. And then she was able to wear it for her ramp gown, which for those that don't know, your ramp gown is your walk-on gown. So at Miss America, you have three nights of prelims. You wear your evening gown for awards for the night you're in your evening gown, but you wear two other gowns on stage when you're not wearing your competition evening gown. So that's a ramp gown. So she talked about this beautiful, stunning, amazing gown that she fell in love with. And then she was like, it's my ramp gown. So you didn't see it. I was like, what the heck? So maybe I'm the only person that listens to those little packages. Who knows? But I I just thought it was an interesting production choice. Yeah, totally. Well, okay, so do you want to move on to talent? Like just glide over talent and then talk about on stage interview? Or do you want to just skip talent? Yeah, we could could talk really – I don't have many notes about talent. Do you? Uh, No, not much. Let's just talk about uh, do you remember at all – um, North Dakota's talent? You know, I do. Um, I am not a, I'm not a dancer. I don't have a dance history. I remember seeing her costume. Like, I just wish it was a more current looking cut. It was, I think it was velvet with like, um, double breasted buttons. Yeah. Through the front. It just, I don't like, is that it? People that are dancers or in the dance industry, like, please comment and let us know if that's a thing, because I just, I wanted her costume to be more, more current and I, I had a heart attack, I think, when she stepped on that chair because it looked like a basic folding chair. And I was like so panicked that it was going to collapse um, when she stepped on it. But it was a cute routine. And like, you can't go wrong with a Michael Jackson song. I just thought like, for me, we'll get more about North Dakota in a minute. But like, I just thought she was consistent. Like she was like good yeah. in everything, but she wasn't my favorite in anything. Yeah. Well, that's that's what happens. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we say, like consistency wins. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not trying to knock it out of the park in any one thing. I mean, you're trying to knock it out of the park in everything, but it's the most consistent girl. She's the one that slips, sneaks through the cracks oftentimes. Yeah. That, the dirty little secret is like, especially if you're in good with the judges and you know you can't really do it this in Miss America because they're all very much separated. But if you start to know who the other judges are voting for, some of the judges will say, well, I know Chris is voting for Sarah. I'm voting for Beth. So I'm going to score mm-hmm. Sarah a little bit lower than what I normally will. And yep. why Chris is like, okay, I want to score Beth a little bit lower because I really want Sarah. And I know that, you know, Jim or Steve or whatever is voting for this girl. So you kind of play those. And if the girl's just consistent, <laughs> those judges are yep. knocking down the other girls. And though it's not right, you shouldn't do it. But it's just what happens sometimes so the consistent girl will sneak through and i i don't know i haven't spoke with the judges so i don't i don't know if that's what happened but um yeah consistency wins but i did like the entertainment factor of like what you said michael jackson and most people don't know how to score dance i mean 
especially like when it comes to Bollywood dance, I would be like, yeah, okay. You can only judge it on, okay, would I pay money to see this again? And if it's mm-hmm. like a hundred percent, yes, 10, great. If it's like, eh, if somebody gave me tickets, <laughs> I would go see probably more like a four or five. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you don't know how, and if, your judge doesn't know how to, especially with some of those unique talents like dance, that some of the moves might be really challenging or just very much on point. But America as a whole doesn't know how to judge dance. We know how to judge singing thanks to like America's Got Talent <laughs> or or uh, American Idol rather. We know we feel like at least we know a little bit about how to judge singing. Like eh, it was flat because that's what Simon Cow would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but with dance, uh, you know, you're not really doing uh, Dancing with the Stars type routines, so we don't really know. Yes, and like so, my my personal favorites in talent were I loved Alabama singing Over the Rainbow. It's so overdone, so I was like groaning to myself when they said the song she was singing. But I thought it was really understated, very well done, great voice, easy to listen to. I don't know how that felt about her. Yep, love that. And I mean, Jordan Sparks, she was like, ooh, I remember her smiling. Yeah, Jordan Sparks was feeling it. Yeah. She was definitely feeling Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked um, South Carolina Susie, again, with her. She did a lyrical dance to um, an 80s song that was redone, which I really liked. Yep. Um, PA, loved that freaking saxophone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how cool. I just I thought it was cool. Saxophones are so cool. I mean, I, do, oh. I don't know like how to judge, and it sounded like she hit all of her notes. But I just feel like when somebody comes out in the saxophone, I'm like, that's a cool instrument. You're almost starting off with a five or six with you, uh, without even ever like opening up your mouth. It's just a cool instrument, and uh, she crushed it. Yeah, I did hear a couple of cracks, but I thought like it wasn't it was negligible. But I also thought like it was, and I always say this to my girls, like she made sense as a contestant. Like I, she wasn't my favorite, but like that edgy, she had that edgy swimsuit. And then she had like that cooler, edgy talent that you don't usually see every so every day. So it just like that vibe made sense. So I totally saw how she got to finals. Like that was not a question mark to me at all. Um, so I liked South Carolina, Alabama, Pennsylvania, and I had one other talent favorite. Who did you like in talent? I'm looking through my notes here. Well, I'll say this: that when you say you just didn't get it, um, let's see. I liked. Um, I didn't get no I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off that and I'm just gonna I'll say that one for a little bit but I'll still say mm. the exact point um Miss Texas she was dance um great outfit great job like she had lots of spins mm-hmm. again not knowing all the intricacies of how to judge dance but it really it just looked like her movements were really clean and on point and I thought the entertainment value was there for Texas I totally thought so too I think I think her placement might have hurt her. And I I'm, I hate saying that because I don't like to admit that that matters. Yeah. But I wasn't ready for talent yet. Like, because the show was so fast, like, I wasn't as into it as I was into it when I got to, like, the third or fourth or fifth contestant, if that makes any sense. But I, I agree. I loved her costume. That's, like, what I mean when I say I like a modern-looking costume. Like, it didn't look like it was totally a dance costume. It obviously was. But it wasn't, like, your typical recital wear. Yeah. You know who talent I really wanted to like, but I just, I mean, I got into a, like the most like right at the end, but it was Louisiana who had oh, the ventriloquist. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the fourth on my list. I mean, mm-hmm. like amazing job about being able to sing in multiple different voices while moving characters. And um, who was it? It was Arkansas several years back. 
she got um, first runner up to Miss America. She was actually like one of our like clients early on. Um, Elise, right? Yeah, Elise Edie. Yeah, Edie. Mm-hmm. yeah. She wasn't like an official client, but we just helped her behind the scenes. She like reached out to us a lot. She wasn't a paying member at all, but we just like gave her support and just helped her. I mean, she was amazing. Um, so anyway, so I was like, I really wanted to like it because of that. But, um, so she, but I just, I couldn't get into it until the very end. I was like, oh, okay. But it was like, it was just okay for me, but you loved it. it. Yeah. It was really cute. I liked it a lot. Um, I would, I'm just curious as to why that's the only song I ever see a ventriloquist do. Like, don't you feel like you always see ventriloquist do Cowboy Sweetheart? And I'm wondering, like, I'm going to have to wiki the song after our call to figure out, like, maybe that's the origin of the song. Maybe I'm missing that. But I would like to see some ventriloquists do some other, some other songs. You know what song I would love to see ventriloquists do is, you know, the song 14G? It's an Ord and Pageant song. It's oh, yeah, Christine yeah, yeah. Yep. and she does. She has the neighbor. She's in the apartment building yep. with neighbors below and up top. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a ventriloquist looking for a song that, like, you don't see ventriloquists do, like, play with that and tell me how it goes. Yeah, that would be. Because I just don't want to hear Cowboy Sweetheart again. <laughs> that, would be, that would be funny. Okay. Are I we... love that Louisiana added that auction piece to the end of it, though. I thought that differentiated it from the 45 other Cowboy Sweethearts that I've seen before. Yeah, that's the part where I was like, okay. Yeah, I get that. Okay, I yeah. like it. Like it's, it sort of pulled me in there towards. But in the beginning, I, I I guess because of Elise, I had really high expectations, and I just really liked her performance. And so immediately, that's what I thought I was going to see, and I didn't. So it's kind of like when you go to a movie and there's like all this build up hype, and everybody's like, "It's mm. the greatest movie ever," and then you go to the movie and you're like, "This is okay." Whereas if somebody told you it was horrible, then you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, it's the greatest movie ever." But I think true, like that—that's something else too, Stephen. Because you are specifically comparing her to someone else, right? And like Elise is, there was very Elise had a very sophisticated, um, professional vibe about her in general and in, in life. Um, so I think it had a more regal air to it. Where Miss Louisiana this year was as cute as can be, and that was her shtick. Like, that was her deal. So I think it was just two totally different performances um, just based on their personality. So, the f- and think about that from a judging perspective, too. Like, you might have a personal favorite, see something totally different, and it's just different. It's not worse or it's not better. It's just different, and it could result in a lower score because you're comparing. So we cannot escape that either. Yeah, I mean, because judges are people, and, I mean, people are flawed, and, you know, sometimes like a judge could be in the room and when you're walking in he could have just saw a text message from his wife that was like yelling at him for not taking out the garbage which reminds (laughs) me i need to take out no but it's like (laughs) so you never know what's going on inside the other guy's mind or that other woman's mind and that's why i mean pageantry the results are the results and i know it's like so easy to say being a guy not being on stage but like you at the end of the day you can't take it personal totally feel disappointed totally feel sad go through that um emotions if you didn't like win the crown you you own that and you 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 got that but at the end of the day it is an opinionated sport um and working with a coach working with an expert can help position you in the best possible light to win um but at the end of the day it is an opinionated sport Completely. I mean, that's the name of the game. And that's the hardest thing to accept as a contestant, too, because I can promise you, because I've been in that position, 
every single girl that made finals and then got cut at like, well, every single girl, I should say, that competed, you get to that point and you're like, well, what could I have done differently? Or they look at the competitors and like, well, what did they have that I didn't? And it's, you could drive yourself crazy forever. You just have to accept it for what it is and move on. Yeah, totally. Let's talk questions. Questions. So, wow. Um, first off, the the second question. How did you like that? Did you like the the first question and then the more serious question? Did you like that I strategy? I did. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, and me too. I I just liked how I saw the judges interacting with the contestants too, because it really wasn't just like it's usually what here's your question and then silence. And this was more of a banter opportunity. So you got to see these girls. And like their natural state of who they are, which you never get to see. It's usually very high stress. Um, and it was like a good warm up, I thought, for the serious questions. Because I, did, I didn't think there were any tanks in, no. the, in the final serious questions. I mean, those were some hard-hitting questions. But every contestant did a nice job handling it. And I think it was probably because the first time they were speaking was not that very moment. Oh, um, yeah. I did. And I was, I was kind of peeking at your live video during the commercial. And I totally agree with what you had said. Um, and you talked about the fact that the girls who try to take a more serious path or like push an agenda were not as successful in that round. And I agree with that. Yeah. And poor Louisiana, like, right. It's a brand new category. No one's ever done it before. You don't really know the rules of the game. You're the first one up. They ask you a question and that was the only question that somewhat flubbed. I mean, she was able to salvage it there in the final four seconds. But I mean, her question was, gosh, what was it? Like, what's something that's totally that everybody loves that you think is overrated? Yeah. And um, again, like what you, you always say this and I love it. Like if you think you die, just Mm -hmm. start talking. Um, That's something where you could have easily said like social media and everybody loves it, but it's overrated because of X and it would have been totally relevant and it would have been a nice soft, but yeah, it was a challenging situation for her. And I really felt for her because I'm like, because eh, she's probably like, ah, do I go serious? Do I go jovial? And then like two or three in, like people start to, they're getting the hang of it. And they start talking with Chris and they start talking with all the um, the other judges and just kind of just making light of it. And those were the people that it translated the best. I, I agree. And, you know, so that's a Don Baker quote that if you think you die, so I can't take credit for that. Um, but I, I have a lot of notes on this topic because I want to use it as a teachable moment. I always tell our girls, like, you will not be stumped. Like, that is, that's, what we've, that's what we work towards because so many people come into pageant coaching or pageantry thinking, oh, my gosh, what if I get a question I've never heard before? What if I get a question I don't know? It's not, that's not the point. The point is being able to answer any question, getting your confidence to that level of knowing that you can get yourself out of whatever sticky situation you might find yourself in. And I always say, like, just the first thing comes to your head. Like, and then you have to get creative. Like, make it happen and then come through for yourself when you need to. And, like, for me, like, you said social media. That's a great answer. To me, I thought chocolate. Like, you just mm. have to, like, bring something out in yourself and just think after the fact and just make it happen. Because that was probably the worst case scenario is just going blank. Yeah. And because, like, once you're blank... The only thing you can think about is, oh my gosh, I should be talking right now. Yeah, (laughs) And it just like floods your mind. And I think Mm. we've all been in that situation. If you've done any kind of public speaking where you stop think or you start thinking 
and then you start overthinking, and then you can't even think, crap, what was the question? I don't even remember. Um, so, I mean, even at that point, it would have been hilarious if she was just like, you know, public speaking is really overrated because. Oh right my now. God. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But I mean, how I, I do not expect her to think about that on the spot. It took me like 45 minutes later and I'm thinking about it. Um, so yeah, that, that was it. And one of the question or the thing I was going to say earlier that I said to hold it for this section is like you didn't get um, Pennsylvania. I didn't get DC and it wasn't mm. until the onstage question. I'm like, Oh, Okay. I get her now. Like she's yeah. like both like very intelligent, but then when she got the question about it's four a.m. red light, would you run it or not? And she was like, "No, nah, I'm a cop, so I wouldn't run it." But I take Uber, so that's both of them. And she was the first one that I feel like really kind of started to push the envelope of like just being jovial with it, um, if my memory serves me correct. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay, like yeah, she's smart and she can handle it under pressure and still keep her her sense of humor about her." And that made me like turn a corner with her and help me start to see her like, oh, that's what the judges experienced with her in the interview room. I totally agree. And again, that's why I really like the type of questioning, because yes, the I, yes, the serious questions I don't think will ever go away because one, it makes for great TV and two, it challenges the women to think beyond just themselves and to be good social contributors to society. Um but 99% of the time that you're a title holder, you're not talking about political issues. You're having one-on-one interactions with people. So the fact that you, and I, maybe that's really promising for our new Miss America, the fact that she's able to have those great and engaging, authentic conversations. And we were able to see that. Maybe that's what the judges fell in love with her for. We don't know. Yeah. But that's really what being a title holder is, or those little moments just like that. So I hope Miss America keeps that little um, special stuff. And I always tell my girls too, 15 seconds, like I say, 30 seconds is should be the max length of time you're talking for any answer. And that's what we like. I have my stopwatch and we go through it over and over and over again to make sure that they understand what that time frame is. And it's every word counts. You cannot waste time on frivolous fillers or repeating yourself, etc. It's not about talking pretty. It's about talking direct and like, this is a good teaching tool for anyone who watched Miss America is planning to compete. Like hold yourself to that 15 to 30 second window. Just train your body to be able to react to questions in that time frame. Yeah. And out of everyone, like for the, the fun question, I think North Dakota answered it like the best. I mean, she got the one like, would you want to be on the bachelorette? And she oh, that was Alabama. Oh, that was Alabama. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. Okay. I was looking at it wrong. Uh, oh, North Dakota was the, the bucket list. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Alabama loved her. And I, I honestly think that that was my favorite answer out of everything because she answered it truthfully. She's like, relationships don't seem to work out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I get that. But then she quoted the show. So you knew that she watched it mm-hmm. and then like brought it back to Chris and Chris was like, Hey, I don't care. And like his like response to that also really helped to make so her answer. Good. Yeah. And he did I, the, you know, the plug. I, if there, if there's anybody from Alabama listening, like give our homegirl in, in Alabama a hug because I totally had her finishing higher. I loved her. I thought she was talented. I thought she was gorgeous. I thought she was engaging. So like kudos to Alabama for really delivering a great performance all night. Um, she was one of my favorites. So I was bummed to see her not make the final cut. Yeah. North, North Dakota, which I thought was smart with the funny one. Um, she's like, what's on your bucket list? And she's like, well, honestly, like Miss America, 
um, and like you, you helped to make it happen. But it seemed kind of lighthearted. I mean, it was a lot, definitely a lot more serious and it wasn't more jovial. But I felt like she was being really honest about it. And she just said, hey, I mean, I just wanted to make it to the top 10. As mm-hmm. <laughs> I made it in here and that's because of you. And so thanks. And I thought that that was like just it, it was a sweet answer. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. She, she had a great personality all night long, really natural. And, you know, you're right. She was one of the more serious um, answers. And I think probably she'd practiced an answer similar to that for some other question that she got. Um, and I, but the, the biggest thing is she attacked the question. She didn't look back. You could tell she wasn't thinking. She was just being honest in her speech. And that was that's a difference maker. You, like you said, like when you start thinking in your pageant interview or when you're answering a question, people can tell. So being in that moment and just trusting yourself to get through it stood out. Yeah. And the great thing about an onstage question is it's not like anybody's going to cross-examine you. If you say, uh, you know, most everything is chocolate and nobody's going to be like, yeah, right. I saw you eating a chocolate bar on the way in. Like they just want to hear your answer. <laughs> so not that we're like, proposing to lie or anything of that nature but honestly when you do what jesse says and just shoot from the hip and just say the first answer you can work with it like as long as you just get the train or get the car driving in drive then you can steer it once you start rolling yep exactly okay get creative so the last thing was um that i just kind of want to make mention of miss america questions are really challenging like in the serious component Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, whoa, the, I mean, I, lots of props to every girl that had to answer those on stage questions. And I feel like every one of them did a really great job. There was no really, for me, there wasn't a really clear winner. I was also live streaming like when I was doing it. Um, so it was hard to really, really focus in cause you're like trying to watch people's comments, but, um, everybody seemed to crush it. What was your perspective of it? I totally agree. I was really, really impressed with the quality of the questions. And what I loved even more, Stephen, were these were questions where you couldn't hide behind like objectivity and trying to please both sides. You were forced to have an opinion and you were forced to back it up. And I loved that. Um, I think my favorite answer of the night was New Jersey. Um, She had the question about removing the Confederate Um, statues and she just she so I always tell my girls be solution based don't just give your opinion and she was able to provide her opinion and then tie it into something that we can use for the future and granted like we're not like the world peace thing is all funny and games whatever and like really is a pageant contestant gonna be an authority and what happens to these statues no she's never going to but at the same time like show the world that you have that mentality of trying to fix things that need like need guidance. And I thought she like crushed it. So I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I thought DC had the easiest question about full contact football. Yeah. You didn't have to know um, any stats. It was just strictly no. opinion. The but one the about other, Trump was so, tough. Like, yeah. Um, so there were two about Trump, right? The there was, one. um, well two and a half about Trump. The first was about if Russia was involved in the election. Yeah. Um, the second was Charlottesville, which was the most direct, um, and that was Texas. I, I thought her answer was very well delivered, whether you disagreed or you agreed. She had great, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Conviction. She had great conviction, totally confident, didn't turn back. So um, I thought she handled that really, really well. It was a tough question. And then the Paris Agreement um, withdrawal was with North Dakota's question, which I thought was um, probably the, the easiest of the hard ones, but she still handled it really, really well. But I mean, it just 
but if she didn't know about the Paris Agreement and didn't know that there was 195 other like, countries that was involved, or maybe she, they stated that in a question, but um, she, you could tell she had enough knowledge base to have an opinion on it, and I think mm-hmm. that's what the judges are looking for. Again, it's not going to be definitely on stage. They're not going to cross-examine you or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it was just very good answers. There was no delay, no hesitation. And you really, um, going back to Louisiana, right? No, wait, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Louisiana did a longer question. She did a more serious question, too. No, she did not. Who are you talking about? Okay. No, I, never mind. Admit that. I was <laughs> I was getting the girls fixed. See, I too was much doing the, wine during the show. <laughs> maybe. Um, no, I was doing the live stream at the time, so I got the, the title holders mixed up. But anyways, it was it was very good. I was really impressed with the onstage questions. Um, they knocked it out of the park, so... Anything else? you want to plug our, our free pageant uh, preparation course? Oh, sure. So um, our free pageant prep course, in this prep course, you get emails along the way. You get a timeline. You get a checklist for your packing list. It just like has all these amazing resources at your fingertips. If it's your first pageant or if it's your 21st pageant, it's just going to give you some more food for thought to guide you in the right direction. And you can um, include also who you are in the pageant industry. Maybe you're a preteen. Maybe you are a miss. Maybe you're a missus. Maybe you're a mom or dad. So we have all of that information catered right to you. Um, And if you actually go to our Twitter, it's been at the top. But what is the direct link, Stephen? It's... um... Gosh, the direct link, you know, just go to backslash podcast and I'll have the, oh, the redirection okay. link going there. Um, and, but if this is like after the fact, you can find it under freebies on the website, mm-hmm. just go under freebies and you'll see it. It'll say like pageant prep course. So Steven, I have to ask who was your winner? My, so my, um, I was, I was thinking Georgia had it. Like when I was watching the show, I, I, mm-hmm. I did our predictions game. I, I think, um, on the predictions game, I was rooting for Alabama is mm. who I predicted Alabama would win. And I predicted South, um, South Carolina second runner up. Mm. I don't remember who I did first runner up, but yeah, Georgia, when I saw all the girls out there and I was like, Oh yeah, like Georgia, she's strong. Um, and no, yeah, she wasn't, you know what? Florida, was, Florida was a prelim winner, yeah, right? And she, she didn't even make winner. the top she was like, so 15. so stinking cute, too. Right? I loved her. Right? She didn't even make... Um, Finals. Yeah. yeah. That was a bummer. And there was a... I feel like there was another prelim winner that didn't make no, it. No, there were... I think I think only a couple of prelim winners made... Because there was six prelim winners. Well, yeah. there were five because Louisa, Louisiana won swimsuit and talent. Um, but so Utah, so Utah was who people picked on our pageant planet predictions yep. and she did not even make the final. So do better y'all yeah. on our predictions, yeah. but so Utah was a non-finalist talent winner, stunning. Like I totally get why people saw it in her, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, if it's not your panel, it's not your panel. Yep. And I always find it fascinating when prelim winners don't make it through because that just to me says the judges were doing their job because you're supposed to judge each phase of competition independently. And if, if they loved you in one category enough to give you a prelim win, but you didn't make finals, it just shows me like that was a good panel that did that followed the rules, which I, I love because it's, it's difficult to differentiate, take your interview perspective out of the game or whatever else it is. Maybe you fall in love with her in a different phase of competition, but like, so it's, it's a tough thing. And I, I totally send my sympathy to any of the prelim winners that didn't make finals because I'm sure there's a lot of hype and I'm sure it's a lot of pressure and it's just, 
gosh, it stinks. Yeah. Well, I would ask you, but you're a little bit in more line of fire, like hands-on coaching some of these girls, et cetera. So I'm not going to ask you because I don't want to put you on the spot. Who I liked? Yeah. Who you thought was going to win? Oh, I'll totally talk about okay, it. Okay. All right. You can talk about so, it. So, okay. I, I fell in love with that. That was my very the... easy, like non-aggressive way to say, like, do you want to say it? Yes. I totally want to say it. Of course. <laughs> no, I, so I fell in love with Alabama through her talent and then her evening gown. And she just like was very Miss America to me. Um, I also, I just, you know, I really was rooting for New Jersey. I thought she had such a, a genuine aura to her. Like I, I tweeted this too. Like I always pick a BFF, like a girl I'd want to hang out with. And New Jersey was my girl. And I, I just would have loved to have seen the hometown girl come home with the, the title. But I also, I like DC and I like Texas. So I, I think new, I think North Dakota is going to be an amazing Miss America. I think uh, I totally see what the judges saw in her. Um, but personal preference, I would have probably had New Jersey, DC or Texas. Awesome. But right. it is what it is. It that's is what, what it is. Yeah. Makes pageantry so great. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a case in point. Like if you're competing, like stay off the boards. Like honestly, oh, yeah. it, th- that's the one time you have permission not to be on pageant planet is like when you're competing, like don't check it. I mean, because you don't want it to, it, we do it for the fans and for the family and I mean, even for the directors and, and all these kinds of things. And it's fun for us to sit back because everybody's a judge in the audience. Like whether it's your first page or not, you're like, oh, that girl's going. I mean, everybody does it, right? So that's why we do it because it is a lot of fun and it's part of why people are so passionate about pageantry. But if you're competing, stay off of it until after and then you can go back and recycle. Amen. Cool. All right. All right. Cool, guys. Thanks, Jesse. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.